This morning, saints, is April 7, 2019, and the title of today's message is Enduring. Somebody say Enduring. So, we would like to just build on what God has been speaking to this church over the past week or so. Because we learned last Sunday from Pastor Wade and Justin Linton that we are to take on our Father's business. Do you all remember that message? In that message, we are to inherit that business of destroying the works of the devil, putting to death our sinful nature. Y'all remember those five kings in the cave, right? We're to put them to death. Those are the five elements of our sinful nature. And live up to the divine nature that God has put inside of us. Amen? What about the word that we heard on Wednesday night? Who could forget a word like that? Do you guys remember the title of the word? Given a lot. See, the word preached by Nick, Judah, and Peyton challenged us to give our all to Jesus, not just a lot. See, when it comes to the kingdom of God, when it comes to our relationship with Christ, he's not looking for you to bring to him trinkets. He's not looking to you to bring to him just enough so you can go a respectable distance in the eyes of your peers. He is looking for you to give all. See, the ability to give all starts in one place. Come on, saints, what is that? Where does it start? It starts in God's word. Yeah. See, before we can ever, ever give all to the Lord, we have to know exactly where it starts. It starts in his word. His word instructs us, his word guides us, and inclines our hearts. So let's get in the word. Let's all turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. We'll start in verse 4. I don't know about you guys, but in that message of giving a lot, I I swung at that one like trying to hit a curveball from a professional baseball player. I was saying yes and amen to yes, give a lot. Yes, amen, give a lot. And then I realized that's the wrong thing to say yes to. We credit ourselves with giving a lot and make it the equivalent of giving all. Didn't that message challenge you personally? You searched your heart this week and said, you know what? I'm just giving a lot right now. I need to step it up and give it all. Let's look at this further in Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with how much of your heart? All. And with how much of your soul? All. And with how much of your strength? All. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on their children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. I want you to notice something. Moses said these commands are to be exactly where? On your heart. Obviously, we know that's not the physical organ of our heart, but that's the center of our being. It's the thing that guides everything that you do, you think, and that you feel. So how do we get the word into our hearts? Is there a little trap door that we open up and kind of stuff some of the scriptures inside? I wish there was because I would, I'd leave mine open all the time and please, you know, share scripture cards, three by five index, stuff them right inside of there. That'd be wonderful. But how did this verse start? Here, here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Come on, you guys are an educated church. The people on camera can't talk back to me, but I need you to this morning. What is the Hebrew word for hear? Shema. Shema means to listen with the intent to obey. So I see a progression of what God is speaking to our church. That we're hearing to take on our Father's business. We're hearing to give it all and not just give a lot. But that requires us to open up our ears and have the intention to obey. Before we actually hear God's word come forth. Come on, are you sitting here with the intention to obey what God is bringing forth out of his word? Or are we just kind of listening to a drone? Charlie Brown's teacher, not this Charlie Brown, but Charlie Brown the cartoon. And God's word just ends up being a wonk, 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 wonk. And you walk away, you can't even remember the sermon title, though we said it 75 times over and over again. Come on, let's open up our ears and let's hear what God is saying through his word this morning. Then we can get to that point of having it all. 
You know, giving the Lord your all, meaning full attention and full submission, will enable you to then have His Word impressed upon your heart. When the enduring Word of God has been inscribed on your heart, it is implied that you will then impress that Word upon your children's heart. So I'm gonna, I got one finger going out, I got three coming back in and one kind of down towards the earth. So I'm going to say three times as much to me as it is to you. My children are a direct reflection of how much I'm letting God's word consume my heart. That if they are missing that love and that cherishing and that listening with intent to obey from God's word, that means I am. Wherever they are lacking, I am lacking. But you know what? There's another side to that coin. Where they are succeeding, that's where I am succeeding. So, with that in mind, God has the intent in this scripture to show that we can clearly see the enduring effects that it has on the generations. When we just begin to listen, when we begin to take it all and put it before the Lord, and when we let his word impress upon our hearts. Let's show this first slide. Because the title of the sermon is Enduring. But we want to start with the precedence of God's enduring word. Saints, are you hearing what God is speaking to you this morning? Are you listening with the intent to obey that you must start with his enduring word? Come on, saints. Are you guys alive this morning? See, as Pastor Matthew is preaching, I hear the rain behind me. And I intend to preach louder than this rain. And much more, I intend that you guys respond louder than the rain that is behind us. Are you guys alive this morning? See, it all started in Deuteronomy chapter 6 with hear, O Israel. Saints, my question to you this morning is, are you committed to giving your all to what you hear? Okay, that, uh, I must not be preaching. I don't, I don't understand. Hold on one second. Hold on one second, brother. I'm going to do this for you. Say it again. Saints, are you committed to giving your all to what you hear this morning? Yes! Amen. Do you need the enduring word of God impressed on your heart this morning? How bad? How bad? So turn to Exodus chapter 13, verse 8, and we'll see how bad. Say enduring when you get there. I don't know what we have to do this morning, Pastor Matt, but we're going to have to wake them up. Woo! Let's do it. Is everyone there? Not, not, not theirs and physically there on the page, but are you there with us spiritually? Are you yes. here? Come on. Pick it up in Exodus 13, verse 8. It says this. On that day, somebody say that day. That day. Tell your son, I do this because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. Man. This scripture, when I first read it, hit me like a semi-truck. The only thing I could associate this scripture with was my born-again experience. Why do I do the things that I do? Because of what the Lord did for me in Egypt. Why does the Lord, why do you do the things that you do? Because of what the Lord did for you in Egypt. See, this scripture is a constant reminder of why we do the things that we do. It's because of the enduring word of God that has brought us from where we were to where we are currently standing now. Where's the word of God brought you, saints? Come on, on, where's the word of God brought you? See, it's brought you out of Egypt and brought you into life. If you're listening, if you can hear the, 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 the words that are coming out of our mouths today, you're a living testimony of the enduring word of God active in your life right now. Yes. See, why is it so important that we remember this? It's important because when we remember what God has done, it really prunes our hearts and gives us a proper lens and perspective where we're standing at today. See, we're completely bombarded by the world. The word of God says in Ephesians 6 that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. On a daily basis, you are, there's an onslaught of the gates of hell trying to stop God's will in your life. But there's an enduring word of God that has been inscribed on your heart. Yes. 
And because that word of God is inscribed on your heart, it is it's supposed to prune away, give you a proper perspective, give you the filter of heaven so you can stand firm today. Amen. Saints, are you going to stand firm today? Yes. And how are we going to stand firm today? By enduring, saints. We have to endure by the word of God. Amen. When we endure by the word of God, it does something extraordinary. See, what starts in you doesn't end with you. See, what I love about this verse, it says, on that day. See, on that day, tell. The word is implying that the father or the parent in this scripture yeah. is going to tell their children something. Yeah. See, your children are a true testing stone of the enduring word of God in you. See, God has wired them in such a way that they're to ask their parents and serve to them as a reminder not to forget God's word. Come on. That's good. See, there are so many parents like, man, my kids are always asking why. Why this? Why this? Are we there yet? Why, 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 why? God has infused in them to be a testing stone to you so you don't forget the word of God, the enduring word Come of on. God that he gave you. Come on. Man, let that sit in. Yeah. Let, let that settle in. See, this enduring word of God causes something to take place in our lives. It causes a process that is designed to develop something further. Yeah. I know my kids, they love to sit down and hear us tell stories. They actually remember the testimonies and events of my life better than I do. That I watch their eyes lock in as we begin to recount how God moved us from Louisiana to Texas in 2004. I watch their, their hearts lock in as we tell testimonies of the early years of LCM. When people were getting healed. How this family came to the church by God's divine hand. That then led to three other families that were associated. It is an imperative that we take advantage of the hunger and the thirst inside of our children's hearts. And we let their hunger draw out the anointing so and the testimony of what God has impressed in us over the Amen. years. Come well, on, those of you who have experienced this as parents, you know that you come to life as you begin to share these testimonies. You begin to recount the good things that God has done and all that despair and that mully grubbing and like, oh, I'm just not good enough for Jesus, whatever, begins to fall by the wayside because you remember to what you were called and what you need to do now to continue what God began in the first part of your walk with Him. Amen. Let's go to 1 Samuel 21 verse 9 and let's see a, a reminiscent event in David's life. Say enduring whenever you get there. Enduring. The priest replied, the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, is here. It is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephah. If you want it, take it. There is no sword here, but that one. Come on, how precious is it sometimes that after we have experienced the initial victories earlier in our walk, and we've endured battle after battle, may even have lost a few, but trying to regain our courage, that all of a sudden we stumble upon that one word written in the back or front of our Bible. Amen. And God puts it right in front of us that that's the only sword that's sitting there. In fact, it's shielded behind this breastplate of righteousness. Woo. And God revives that word and brings it to remembrance. Let our response be the same that David had. What did he say? He said, there is none like it. Give it to me. There is none like the word of God. Give it to me. What does it take to endure? It takes the enduring word of God and your pursuit and hunger for it. That thirst that says, just give it to me. Let's show that next slide. David had a heart after God. That is the moniker that defines who he is. And his heart was attached to the commands of God. Therefore, it was attached to the character of God. What rose up inside of him that defeated Goliath was a defilement and a challenge to the very character of who God was in Goliath. 
And when he rose up and he stood against them, everyone knows the story that those stone, that stone that he hurled from his sling beat that giant. Then he went and took that sword the giant possessed and cut off Goliath's head. It was a moment of victory. But be honest with you, followed by years of persecution by a king who was throwing away God's kingdom. And after enduring that for a while, he comes upon this. But what we see is that over time, because David had an enduring word that was spoken to him as a shepherd boy, he was able to then have enduring convictions. That enduring conviction didn't come about the day he set his foot on the battlefield with Goliath. It was there well before when he was taking lions and bears yep. by the nap of their neck and putting them to death oh, because they threatened his sheep. Come on, we cannot wait until our feet are on the battlefield to get enduring conviction, saints. Man, we have to grab a hold to the enduring word of God now to establish those enduring convictions that we need for later. What victories have we experienced here at LCM? That are based upon the enduring word and the, the evidence of enduring convictions. So ben, tell me about one. What about the awesome, phenomenal, extravagant, supernatural, divine family, the Molochs? Oh, yeah. Come on. When the odds of the medical world is against them, we see the miracle. We see the miracle... Of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The one that breathes into a situation that is full of death. And resurrects it to bring life in the life of Shiloh. See those doctors cannot imagine or fathom what the God and the monarch of the universe can do with one faithful family. See saints we have to hold on to victories like this. These are things we cannot let go. When we hold on to that enduring word of God, it produces produces enduring convictions that can stand in the face of opposition and say, my God will come through. Oh, yeah. You know, I've had the opportunity to watch the Hewitt family develop over the past five or six years. That as the enduring word of God began to grab a hold of Nolan and Tara's heart, it then led to enduring convictions. I can say as... A witness that Nolan Hewitt and Tara have enduring convictions. That brother will go after it. He will sing the devil right out of a prison cell. This is true. He will shout to the top of his lungs that will let the whole world in heavenly realms know exactly who Jesus is. And that's been in him the whole time. But it began to come to the surface and produce the right kind of things when he started with the enduring word that then led to enduring convictions. We have to remind our souls of the victories the Lord has given us, saints. You know what this prevents? It prevents the wavering of our convictions. Come on, I've had several convictions, but it doesn't mean that they were enduring because they weren't originally established on the enduring word of God. But I have to take that as an oil and a kindness upon my head that God exposed the fragility of my my convictions that weren't founded upon his enduring word. That he allowed there to be a bit of a shaking. And it came crumbling down. So that there could then be a clean slate. A new foundation of his enduring word. That word from heaven spoken to me that produces the faith. That then establishes an enduring conviction. Amen. So what must we do? We must take hold of his enduring word. Yes. That sword behind the ephod. We have to let our hunger for his enduring word cry out, give it to me. If you find yourself with a fragile or crumbling conviction, go back to square one. Look up to the heavenly realms. Open up the word of God and say out of your mouth, Lord, give it to me. Give me your enduring word that can found my feet on stone and concrete so I can stand up against whatever it is that comes against your will. John 6 Verse 66, I'm just going to quote it to you. We have to take on this same mindset that Peter did. When Jesus said, you must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, many left. And Jesus turned to his disciples and said, are you going to leave me too? And Peter's reply was, you don't want me to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12, sorry. So Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words 
of eternal life. Come on, what comes from this pulpit, what comes from every single Bible study, coffee shop meeting of the saints in LCM are words of life, eternal words, enduring words. How many times have you received just a three by five index card as something that saved your soul that week, that day, or that time at the altar when someone came and ministered to you and they had no idea what the that what they were speaking were the very words and sentiments of your heart in that very moment. And God was letting you know, I hear you, I see you, and I know exactly what you need for this moment. He was giving you his enduring word in order to produce enduring convictions in you. Amen. The Lord desires to give us his enduring word. Amen. But what is our response when Pastor Matthew said, give it to me, that was David's response when he found, found out that the sword of Goliath was available. Yeah. He said, give it to me. How many of you guys like Caleb in the Bible? Yeah. Now, shout out the reasons why you like Caleb. Let's hear him. Different spirit. Enduring. You guys remember in the book of Joshua when Caleb finally made it into the promised land? Man, this guy was 80 what, 85? 85 years old. You know what he told Joshua? He said, I know there are giants in that city. But he said, give it to me. Yeah. See, saints, that's the type of attitude that we must have. Amen. Lord, give me your word. Yes. I desire to devour your word. Now, where did Caleb get this type of attitude from? We find it in Proverbs 3. Yeah. See, somebody spoke life into Caleb. And because of that, Caleb desired the enduring word of God. That enduring word of God turned into an enduring conviction. See, I like Caleb because not only did he bring back a favorable response or, you know, a survey of the land with Joshua. But he lasted another 40 years based on his convictions. Just think about that. I want you guys to really think about this. It's not, it's, not, it's not just enough for him to say, hey, the land is good. Everything the Lord promised was, is, is right there. It's flowing with milk and honey. But to have the entire nation turn their backs and still hold on to that enduring conviction. Man, what did year 37 look like? What about year 39? When people have completely lost their minds. Yeah. People are completely wasting away and Caleb has to stand here in the, in the midst of this rebellion group and have his, his convictions endured to the very end. Yeah. See, what, what it did for him all those years was compiling his convictions upon convictions upon convictions yeah. because of that enduring word. And Proverbs 3 says this in verse 1. And this is what reminds me about Caleb. It says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. For they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart. LCM, this is a word. This is a right word for us this morning. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. But it first starts with, do not forget my teaching. Do not forget that enduring word that has been spoken to you. That enduring word that is supposed to be a bow that puts the arrow of enduring con- con- conviction and launches it in the direction that God desires for it to go. See, enduring convictions are remembered. Enduring convictions are formed in the heart. Enduring convictions prolong spiritual life in the kingdom of God. Yeah. Man, that faithfulness over time is produced because of enduring conviction. Yeah. Are you guys going to endure this morning? Yes. See, I look out and I, and I see families like the Clements, and I see that they have endured because of that enduring word of God. They've endured, and that enduring word of God has turned into an enduring conviction that we're all benefiting from today. Now, look at the Sutherlands. Man, the things that they've gone through are extraordinary. Guys like David, who was recently new to LCM, His enduring convictions are being formed right now as we speak. I want to encourage you, brother. Man, let the Lord shape and form them. It's going to produce something extravagant in your life. As we turn to Acts 20, see, our desire is not to just 
is not to go through just a message. Our desire is not just to turn the scripture and read it to you. We want you to engage with these words. We want these words to impact your soul. We want these words to impact your heart, to allow the Lord to inscribe again his enduring word on your heart. Let those convictions come alive again. Let those convictions be resurrected again. And we see this in Acts 20 when we look at the life of Paul. Well, before we get there, I want to capitalize on a few more victories of evidence of enduring convictions. Come on, yesterday we celebrated the reveal of exactly the genders in the Lufixens' home. Yes, yes. They're going to have a boy and a girl. Woo! Lord, your struggle and thereby your victory is also all of our victories as well. Amen. Have you ever been inspired by someone else's deep convictions? Of course you are. That's what happens in the body of Christ. So the necessity of deep convictions or enduring convictions is not just for your own benefit. It's for the benefit of those who need a shot in the arm from time to time. When I, I look and I see the enduring convictions of the Aragina family, yes. of Peyton, of Judah, their families. I see everyone in here who has been steadfast and unhindered in seeking the face and doing the will of God. That's an inspiration to me as a pastor. I am fueled by it. I need it. If you are feeling shaken, though, in your convictions, we're pushing, we're propelling, we're equipping, we're challenging you. Let's, let's realign what those convictions are. Let's remove the attachments and the addendums that you have made to what God has said because His Word doesn't leave room for all, any others to be attached. His Word is flying alone because it is only the word of God that man can be sustained and please the will of the living God. In Acts 20, verse 22. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Come on, saints. Enduring convictions don't quit. Enduring convictions don't take a pause based on circumstance or fair or false weather. That they have the ability to be sustained even when the greatest level of opposition is against it. Well, if God told you, I'm going to make you an apostle to the Gentiles. I'm going to speak through your mouth to the nations. I know what my mind would begin to do. Oh, man, I'm going to get on a plane. I'm going to just fly around the world. There'll be open doors of ministry and opportunity. I'll be invited into homes, be able to sit with folks and see them get saved and baptized in the Holy Ghost. Just a welcome party all around the world for the gospel. But I would have never counted that it looked like multiple persecutions. Spending years in jail. Having time after time of either a shipwreck or people throwing a crowd into confusion that crowd was right at the prime that the gospel was coming forth out of your mouth and their hearts were ready and primed to respond. And then you have a demonic voice that begins to sow the seed of opposition and the same people that are ready to receive the gospel from you are now ready to kill you. Paul demonstrated that he had an enduring word because he demonstrated with the consistency of an enduring conviction. What you have from the Lord is good enough, saints. What you have from the Lord is good enough to go up against the very gates of hell and prevail. Not just exist. Enduring convictions understands the cost and the payment required. In Paul's testimony of that road to Damascus, one of the things that Jesus revealed to him as an enduring word was that I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. 
Well, you don't hear that salvation testimony anymore, do you? I went down to the altar and Jesus changed me from a sinner into a saint. And he revealed to me this wonderful revelation. I'm going to suffer greatly for his name. How beautiful is that? Boy, it's through that suffering that we gain his glory, Paul. But our flesh wants to run from it. It wants to avoid it. It wants to sit back and recline in the lazy boy easy chair of comfort and self-aggrandizing. How can I use the gospel to make myself comfortable and accomplished? And God is so gracious to set that easy chair on fire. To crush it. That the weight of his presence makes every board in that thing break. And you fall out of that chair like some fail video on YouTube. You're laying flat on your back and you're going, I thought I had an enduring comfort. He said, no, I want you to have an enduring conviction. Amen. That's what sustains your soul. That's what propels the kingdom of God moving out from your life to other people's lives. Enduring convictions only care about one thing. And that is finishing the race, which is completing the task. If you're alive and breathing right now, you still got work to do. If you're alive and breathing, you're not done yet. If you're alive and breathing, God's not done with you yet. What hope of salvation do we have to those who are perishing, drowning in their own sin, and so blind that they can't see it? If they have the very breath of life still within them, so there is still a hope for salvation. There is still a hope for that same enduring word that resurrected you to resurrect them. That you can watch that enduring conviction rise out of them. I watched Chris Riasor walk through these doors, what, three years ago? Three years ago. Completely out of his mind, schizophrenic. All over the place. And he walked in. And immediately he sensed the presence of God. And he had been trying one false endurance after another of doctrine in life and philosophy. And when he recognized the authentic enduring word of God, I watched God transform a man on the spot. So many people have walked through these doors, saints, and they admire what we do. They may even go tell other people about this church, send them the link to our sermons. But they never want to set foot in here another day because it's too intense. We require too much of their souls to have to get an enduring conviction. Come on, we can smell it a mile away and so can you. When you are talking to someone and they have this weak, mamby-pamby conviction of what salvation and following Jesus is like and you just kind of poke them a little bit, it crumbles. Like a paper airplane made out of rice paper or whatever is fragile. All it takes is a little bit of poke and prod and their stack of cards comes crumbling down. Then they, they have a sad face and, and bim, they, they bemoan you for knocking down their stack of cards. How dare you destroy what I took so long to build? Don't you know how many hours I spent balancing one card upon another? And you look at them and say, and I know you would, his enduring word is everything. It's everything. It's everything. Before we go to the next passage of scripture, while Pastor Matthew was preaching, I'm thinking about the life of Paul. And I'm thinking about a man who had an encounter with a king who received his, his enduring word that led to him having enduring convictions. But also think of men like Noah. You guys are Bible students. How many times did God speak to Noah? He spoke to him once and gave him every detail of how to form the ark and how to build it. How long did it take Noah to build the ark? How many years? You mean to tell me that he needed to have an enduring word written and inscribed on his heart to form his enduring convictions to build the ark? Because of this one man's obedience, because of this one man's conviction, not not conviction where everything was sunny, but conviction where the entire world is like, what are you doing? It's never rained before. What are you talking about? 
But being able to stand in the face of opposition and have his enduring conviction stand up and not survive, but thrive. So because of what he did, his family was saved. Not only that, the entire world was saved. Because of that, we're sitting here today. Man, what would the, world, what would the Lord do with your life, with your enduring conviction? What can the Lord do with you holding on to his word and saying, give it to me. I want this in my heart embedded in me. Let this enduring convictions be formed in me. You know what it produces, saints? Fruit. It produces fruit that lasts. And we see the same type of attitude, the same type of attitude in the life of John as an elder on the island of Patmos. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 5 and say enduring when you get there. How you enduring? <laughs> Picking up in verse 9, it says this. You were worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You've made them to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Man, this is the words being attributed to our king. The one who came in the form of a lamb, lamb, but is returning in the form of a lion. Come on. And the first words that are spoken in verse 9 are, you are worthy. Come on, saints. What makes him worthy? What makes the king of kings worthy? Isn't it the enduring word of God that he received from the father? Going from death to resurrection life. What is going to make you worthy in this room this morning? The enduring word of God. What has the Lord spoken to you months ago, years ago, decades ago, that is still true to this day? See, his word says, heaven and earth are going to pass away, but my words would never pass away. See, the Lord, when he speaks to us, he expects us to have a response to that. In in Isaiah 55, it says his word goes forth out of his mouth and does not return back to him until it accomplishes exactly what he sent it out to do. That's right. So if his word is inscribed on your heart, his enduring word is inscribed on your heart, it's to produce enduring convictions. And through those enduring convictions is to produce enduring fruit. The second question is, what caused him to be slain? What caused our king to be slain? It was in his enduring convictions which led to the purchasing of men's souls. Man, in Acts we have Stephen standing up to the Sanhedrin recounted all of Israel's history in relation to the God of Israel and what he's done for them. And with his last dying breath. See, Stephen wasn't a man that believed in just giving a lot. With his last dying breath, he gave all. With his last dying breath as he's being stoned because of those embedded, enduring word of God in him that produced enduring convictions. We see him pray for those who are stoning him, says, Lord, do not count their sins against them. You know who's standing there? Paul. The man who is condemning him to death is standing there while Stephen is praying for him. Saints, what can the Lord do with your life when you stand firm on that enduring word? When you stand firm on those convictions that have been formed by that enduring word, it produces enduring fruit. We love the Apostle Paul, but he is absolutely nothing without Stephen's prayer. Man, have you, have you, as you're sitting in this room today, what has led you here? Who is poured into your life? Whose conviction led you to this point in your life right now? Whose, whose word that God gave them as an enduring word led you to this point here? See, because of what Jesus did, he was slain because of his enduring conviction, which purchased the souls of men. Man, I can see the pastor's lives. And I can see that if we could do, uh, if, we could, if we could draw a picture 
of who is linked to who, who's tethered to who. See, ultimately, we're all tethered to Jesus. But if we can break that down, you will see that you are tethered to other men's convictions. Man, how many of you guys are here today because the Lord moved on somebody's heart to speak to you at Walmart? Speak to you at a gas station? Just think about that. And because of what Jesus did, he purchased the souls of men. Now, what is the result of all of this? Because of the enduring word that he received from the Father. Because of that enduring word that formed his convictions. It caused an enduring fruit of a kingdom and priest serving alongside and reigning with the king. That's extraordinary. Can we show the last uh, slide on the screen, please? The enduring word of God produces enduring convictions. When you stand firm in your convictions like men like Caleb and Paul and Noah, it produces enduring fruit. Come on, saints. Without his enduring word, without his enduring conviction, what we have here today is not even possible. But it doesn't stop here. His enduring word, his enduring conviction, Jesus has done exactly what he was supposed to do. What about you? What has the Lord spoken to you that he said, I need you to dig that back up. I need you to blow the dust off of that. I need you to take that enduring word and stuff it in your heart. Let's get those convictions back in alignment with my will because I desire to produce enduring fruit with your life. Saints, this is why we're called. This is why we're purchased as priests to serve alongside our king. Before we go to the next passage of scripture in Hebrews 12. Are you guys with us this morning? Yes. Are you guys with us this morning? Oh, yes. The Lord desires as a good father to see his children endure to the very end. Jesus said those who stand firm to the end will be saved. In other words, you could say those who endure to the end will be saved. And we all learned this from him. We all learned this by watching Jesus. I want you to notice something in this chart before we move on to the next scripture. What starts with an enduring word. He brought up Noah earlier, right? God spoke to Noah exactly what to do. Gave him the plans. There was an enduring conviction that lasted 120 years. And then there was enduring fruit. That time span between the inception of the enduring word and the result of enduring fruit, that's the point of failure for most Christians. That is the point of giving up and not persevering over the whatever amount of time. God doesn't tell you how long you're going to have to endure with your conviction because all he wants from you is a final stance on that he said it and therefore you can trust that it's going to produce fruit. Enduring convictions are able to bear enduring fruit because they are founded upon the enduring word of God. If you find that your ability to hold on to hope and persevere about what God has originally said, go back and remind yourself of what God actually said. That will revive, that will resurrect the hope, the strength, and the perseverance to hold out and keep doing what is right before God expecting to see that that enduring fruit come on you, the so the, the seeds that you are sowing right now in your marriage the seeds that you're sowing within your children's hearts within your workplaces within developing a ministry you're not going to see immediate full-size mature fruit no different than planting a seed that the next day i then begin to see full-grown apples and oranges it takes time faithfulness over time that one of the first things that begins to develop is that seeds attachment to the soil that's like that enduring word that root system that supplies the nutrients and stability of the convictions that then rise from that root system that you have the trunk and the branches and from that trunk and branches you then have leaves and the ability to produce fruit Within the Levitical law, that for the first three years that a fruit tree was planted, you could not harvest its fruit. 
The fourth year you could, but every single bit of it belonged to the Lord. It wasn't until the fifth year that then you could glean from it and the first fruit still belonged to the Lord. Just think about your own sinful nature, that selfish and greedy selfish nature that says, but I planted this. I deserve some kind of fruit from this. I've been going to discipleship helps. I've been going to acts classes. I've been participating in prison ministry. I deserve some kind of residual fruit from the discipleship and effort I've been putting into this. But God is saying, you just have an enduring conviction and you trust me. You follow my enduring word and I can promise you an enduring fruit. In my own life, in your lives, and many other men and women's lives in the kingdom, we have witnessed those that have prematurely reached out to grab the fruit. And as a result, it wasn't an enduring fruit because the promise in Genesis still remains that if you eat of this tree, you will surely die. That Adam and Eve bypassed his enduring word. They lacked the holding on to the enduring conviction and it resulted in dead fruit. It was an enduring fruit. But God had a means to restore us. God has a means to restore you. If you have gone ahead of God, you've bypassed His enduring word. You have neglected the enduring conviction. He has a means to restore us back to that same state through His blood, through giving us of His Spirit, able to get fresh revelation or a regeneration of what that enduring word is. Because His aim through you is to produce enduring fruit. Fruit that will last. Let's look at this in Hebrews 12, verse 1. Enduring. Come on, shout it out now. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off. Say throw off, saints. Throw off. Everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let me stop with that verse alone. In order to maintain that enduring conviction that leads to enduring fruit, we got to throw off everything that hinders we have to throw off everything that entangles. That means condemnation that is masking itself as conviction. That despair that tries to run your soul into the ground. It is not the hand of God saying you are better than this. It is the hand and lies of your sinful nature and the devil saying you'll never resurrect out of this. That's how you make the distinction between the two. And that what the blood of Jesus is able to do is cleanse your conscience, help you stand up and rise, and throw off everything that hinders. Amen. And the sin that so easily entangles. In those moments when you're tired, in those moments when you're weak in your constitution against your sinful nature, and there's that urge, that compulsion, maybe even that silverback gorilla that wants to push you right into acting upon it. You stand upon the blood of Jesus. You stand upon that enduring word that was put inside of you. And you say no in the name of Jesus. I'm not going to give in to this temptation. I'm not going to give in to my kings in the cave. I'm going to put this to death by living according to the Spirit. Because you know what the Spirit will do? He'll lead you into all truth. He will remind you of everything that God has said to you. Meaning that He will resurrect that enduring word that gives you the enduring conviction. Because the Spirit is after producing enduring fruit. Producing resurrection life inside of you. Saints, you have to fight. It is good to have brothers and sisters around us to call and get that encouragement. But that's not the main source. It's good to have pastors that will give you a shot in the arm and a kick in the butt. And say, you're better than this in the name of Jesus. Come on, let me help you go. But that's not the main source. The main source is the very Word of God that is that enduring Word that resurrects inside your soul when you're all alone laying on your bed at night drowning in despair or guilt or you're fighting with your sinful nature. 
Come on, I can cast out any demon. I can drive out any devil, but I cannot cast out the sinful nature. It's there until the day you die. But you know what can? The enduring word of God. Amen. That can take care of it. Verse 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. The author and perfecter of our faith. What this enduring word and enduring conviction is aimed at doing. It's to give you correct vision and line of sight. Come on, saints, talk to me. What did Adam and Eve garment themselves with when they fell? Fig leaves. Fig leaves. Always a sign of man's religious acts to cover over his sinful guilt. Similar to Matthew 7. Lord, Lord, didn't I? Didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I cast out demons in your name? Didn't I heal in your name? And he said, away from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. How do you know him? Well, you're starting with that listening with the intent to obey that gives him all your heart, soul, and strength and ready to have his word pressed upon your heart, that enduring word that leads to an enduring fruit. But particularly this says, let us therefore fix our eyes on Jesus. As simple and Sunday school as it may be, saints, the answer most of the time is get your eyes off of whatever it is you're focused on and lock them back on Jesus. Lock them back on Jesus through prayer. Lock them back on Jesus through worship. Lock them back on Jesus through going back to what his word already says. Well, that reminds me of John 15. Everybody turn there. We're starting verse 1. Because Hebrews then goes on to say he's the author and perfecter of our faith. Bim, do you want to be made perfect? Absolutely. I'd say you're 99.9% already there. Way ahead of me, brother. John 15, verse 1 says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, the reality is every human being is measured by this same standard. There's no one that's exempt. And the cutting off because you bear no fruit is the result of not having the enduring word of God within you. I've seen people come and be a part of this church and they try to be a part as much as they can, but they didn't start at the same point that everyone else did. They didn't start with possessing that enduring word. They tried to look the part. They tried to be the part, but they never lasted. They were always producing leaves and never producing fruit. Those will be cut off. But my hope is so much more for you. While every branch, say every branch. Every branch. That does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You know the distance at times when you are pruning a branch versus cutting it off can be just within an inch? I thought pruning was just clipping off the end leaves. No, it is hacking every bit of ability to provide strength for itself. It's removing the leaves, the obstruction of seeing the core trunk of the tree. What supports the entire system. Come on, sometimes we produce so many leaves that nobody can see Jesus within us. And we have no fruit, nothing to give them that is the result of the enduring word and enduring convictions of God. So God is so gracious as the gardener, our father. He'll say, yep, your ability to recall scripture at the drop of a hat, but it's off been there your ability to step in and lead worship and hear the heavenly realms direct every microsecond gone your ability for the power of god to fill your mouth as you witness and people just fall on the ground and say what must i do to be saved nope you're going going to struggle at it you're going to stumble all over yourself and say the stupidest thing in the world that pruning and cutting off looks so similar But one results in bearing even more fruit. 
Come on, if you're in that state, like I am in that state, of God pruning away everything you have produced in your own strength, maybe even the things that are to assist in bearing fruit, because that's what leaves do. I want to let you know this morning that there's hope. Continue with the enduring word, that attachment to the root system, that continue in that enduring conviction, that mainstay of the core, the trunk of the tree that supports you. That conviction that never sways. In doing so, you're going to have all three of these. Let's put this slide slide back up. You're going to have all three of these. Come on, we're simple people. We need visual aids from time to time because the harassment of our sinful nature, the bombardment of demonic thought will remove every bit of this sermon from your memory. But I want you to remember these three things, these visuals. Jesus used it when he taught. If I'm lacking in any one of these areas, check the other two. This is a linear progression. But it is a symbiotic relationship between the three. The cutting away of our own strength forces us to have a greater attachment to the vine. Jesus, the living and enduring word of God. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and say enduring when you get there. We're starting to make our descent into landing this plane. Is everyone there? Is everyone there? Picking up in verse 16, it says this. Therefore, say therefore. Therefore. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Man, why does the word of God say, therefore, we do not lose heart? Because we can lose heart. It goes on to say we're hourly wasting away. What have we been talking about just a few seconds ago? Being pruned. See, that outward wasting away is you being pruned. But what is it aimed at? Man, that inward renewal day by day. Come on, saints. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Although outwardly we're we're wasting away. What must you do to not lose heart? Even when you're outwardly wasting away, even when you're being pruned, you have to remember that you have the enduring word of God. It must be inscribed on your heart, a constant clinging to the very word. Just like David with the sword, give it to me. See, you don't mind being pruned when you have the enduring word of God inscribed on your heart. You don't mind outwardly wasting away when you know that your entire substance of life is the word of God. You don't mind hourly wasting away because you know you're being renewed day by day because your roots are firmly embedded in his word. Amen. It goes on to say this in verse 17. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Yeah. Saints, what must we do this morning to see our troubles, your troubles? As light and momentary. You have to have those enduring convictions. Saints, you have to have enduring convictions that are built upon the enduring word of God. And you cannot, say cannot. Cannot. You cannot allow the physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual opposition discourage your consistent obedience. Because these things will happen. These things will come. But you have a choice. You have a choice to allow your convictions to be built by the very word of God. In verse 18, it says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. But what for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Saints, why must we fix our eyes on what is unseen? We live in a world where everyone trusts their eyes. But we're a part of a kingdom where we cannot trust our eyes. We have to look at what is unseen. Because everything else is passing or will pass away. See, I pay attention to my bank account, but I don't fix my eyes on my back, my bank account. Come on. See, I pay attention to how I perform on my job, but I don't fix my eyes 
on my job. That's right. See, I pay attention to my car and its needs, but I don't fix my eyes upon it. Amen. Why? Because my eyes are to be glued. Your eyes are to be glued on the author and perfecter of your faith. Amen. See, when, you're, when you have thinking like that, and those thinking, that thinking turns into action, it's because you understand that the vine that you're attached to is causing you to produce enduring fruit, a fruit that will last. Amen. Saints, do you want to produce fruit this morning? Yes. Do you want to produce fruit this morning? Yes. It starts with the enduring word of God. It then turns from that enduring word of God, taking firm root in you, producing enduring convictions. And when those convictions have been proved over time, that faithfulness over time, no matter the opposition that comes your way or the obstacles, it produces that enduring fruit that is sweet and savory, that lasts forever. I want fruit that lasts forever. Even if it means that it costs me my life. You know why? Because I'm outwardly wasting away being pruned by the Lord. But inwardly, I am being renewed day by day by day by day. Do you want to be renewed, saints? Yes. It requires that you're pruned. It requires that you take hold to the word of God. It requires that your convictions are firmly embedded upon the word of God. And it requires that your convictions are proved over time to produce that enduring fruit. Amen. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 1 verse 10. There you go. Shout it out. Enduring. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please Him in every way. Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Why do we preach what we preach? Because we want you to live a life that's worthy. Worthy of the Lord. That you are pleasing Him by bearing fruit in everything that you do. Everything that your hands touch. We see the favor of God multiplying. Your mezuzah coming alive everywhere that you set your feet. Souls being saved because they see the image of the living God within you. That what we have before us is also the responsibility to grow in our knowledge. Right? We know if we possess these things in increasing measure, they will keep us from becoming nearsighted and blind. When we settle into our comfortable level of knowledge and saying, I know a lot in the Word. Yes, but do you know it all? We got a hunger. We got a thirst. We have to go after this. But our heart's desire is that you are bearing fruit in every good work. Verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great, what saints? Endurance. Great endurance and patience. Come on, as we lock our, or fix our eyes on Jesus, on the kingdom of God, you are going to begin to see signs of bearing fruit, but more than that, endurance. I think that's what this church needs. You need that strength. You need that breath of fresh air, the Holy Ghost that gives you endurance. When we gather in here, come on, we get intense. We get fired up. I'm shouting over the rain hitting this metal roof, and it ain't going to outdo me. I know when I hear your voice shout, the heavens will shake. But will it stay that way when we walk outside these doors? Will your voice shout? Will you cling to that enduring word of God and let there be an enduring conviction that raises the roof of your own home, that rattles the engine of your car? As you begin to shout the name of Jesus at work, proclaiming it with action and with words, day after day watering that seed that you planted in the heart of your co-workers, not getting discouraged because they seem to be drifting further away from the truth, but knowing that God is driving them to a place of being hungry and thirsty and that they realize that what you have is enduring. I've had family members that thought I was crazy, well some of them still do, that thought I was crazy and in a cult when I was first born again. And I got discouraged because I preached to them day after day for years and I saw no change. In fact, I saw a regression rather than a progression. And I began to cry out to the Lord, what do I need to do differently? 
And he began to tell me the same thing that I'm telling you. Endure. 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 Jesus' own brother and sisters, brothers and sisters, didn't come to believe in him and follow him until after his death, burial, and resurrection. The same will happen with you. As you endure, as you go and you die to self again and again and let that resurrection power surface within you over and over, your own family members are going to take notice of the fruit that comes from that. And as their lives slink and, and slither further into the depths of hell and they're experiencing divorces or chaos with their kids, whatever else it is, but your life is producing nothing but enduring fruit, they will find hope for what you have and begin to ask you, What's the reason that you have that you believe? That's so good. That's what we're looking for. Verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued, say rescued, rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son that he loves. Ascend to our feet. I don't know about you, but I am hungry this morning. And I don't mean for food. My blood sugar is doing just fine right now. My wife fed me well. I am hungry for the enduring fruit that God will produce through this church. I'm hungry for the enduring convictions that I want to see rise out of each and every one of you. I'm hungry to hear of the enduring word of God that is coming to life inside of you, being shared with those that are around you. Who wants some endurance this morning? So mighty God, we submit to you all of our thoughts, all of our emotions, all of our feelings. Lord, that we don't trust anything that lies within that alone, but we trust your enduring word. Lord, we make our mind, we make our emotions and our will conform to what your enduring word says. And we say, come and fill us anew, mighty God. Come and fill us with your perseverance. Come and fill us with your fire and your power. Lord, the kind that sustains us for decades. The kind that overcomes the gates of hell today, tomorrow, and years to come. Lord, fill us with that power, Lord, that overcomes every bit of despair and condemnation that provokes us to be holy in everything that we do. Lord, let your power, let your presence rise in this place. Let it match and meet the hunger of the men and women in this room. Lord, we say, come and fill us anew. Fill us anew, mighty God. We welcome you in this place.